Hello, everybody. This is Samir Azizi, and you're listening to Azizi Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'd just like to once again ask you to subscribe to this podcast whenever you have the opportunity. You are probably listening to this podcast on one of the apps, um, the popular ones, the Spotify's and Apple Podcasts and everything else. I've noticed a lot of Samsung podcasts lately started listening, so that was interesting. So yeah, if you could just please subscribe and hopefully rate uh, this podcast with five stars or thumbs up, I would highly appreciate it. Uh, the last two episodes uh, were were accepted as... Uh, was quite a success. I, I like the feedback. I like the, I like the stats on that. I like that it, as always, went international. Uh, I appreciate everyone who is listening to me nonstop for all these years, uh, all over the world, including uh, the country that I'm going to be talking about um, extensively today. In fact, I'm going to dedicate this whole episode to this country. This is the country where I was born. The Republic of Kazakhstan. So thank you to everyone in Kazakhstan who is tuning in and listening to this podcast. I highly, highly appreciate it, especially uh, to my day one listeners. Anyways, um, today is August 30th, 2022. Um, I have came back. I went to Kazakhstan for a vacation uh, in the middle of August, in the middle of this month, and I came back, I think, three days ago. I'm already back in Toronto. I'm already back at work. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, I'm fighting the jet lag. I'm trying to take the, the smart approach. I'm regulating my sleep. I'm regulating my food intake and my water intake. I'm assisting myself a little bit with uh, some melatonin to regulate my sleep. So, so far, it's working out pretty well. I like this jet lag feeling, especially when it's playing in my favor, when I, I am able to wake up at like 5 a.m. and accomplish some of my tasks uh, beforehand, uh, which is always great. So, I, I ho hopefully, I can extend this trick for as many days as possible. Usually, I sleep and I go to sleep like super late again and wake up late. But uh, in any case, so this morning I woke up at 5 a.m. and I, I put some notes down about Kazakhstan and what I want to talk about. And to be honest, frankly, <clears throat> I'm just going to say it right away. I am about to say a bunch of very kind of like hyped up things about this country. And I think I just need to give this alert that I will probably be either biased or something about me will be sentimental. So I wouldn't take my words as some sort of a kind of a green light to do some, to get some, to make some actions, right? To get some things going. But I, th I hope this um, a little monologue of mine, a little verbal essay will maybe inspire and motivate some of you to simply research this country because there are some interesting things that are happening right now there. And I feel like it's in a very unique position, this country, country Kazakhstan, um, which is located in uh, Central Asia. So, again, I will be biased. I'll probably going to say a lot of good things about it. And I hope this will inspire you to research it and hopefully visit it and see for yourself. And then, based on your own experiences, you can um, perhaps make some decisions or draw some conclusions. And perhaps you can invest in it or not invest but just go there as a tourist or anything else but I came back and I was so inspired and I'm still inspired I was so hyped up 
that's why I wanted to wait for a little bit. I wanted to wait for three days so that I can look at the situation with more of a clear view rather than just, just pure optimism. And frank, frankly, I go to Kazakhstan once a year, usually. Sometimes maybe once every two years. Even during COVID, I went there like 20, November 2020. I was already in Kazakhstan. And uh, yeah, and I always come back from Kazakhstan, whether if I'm coming back to the United States or if I'm coming back to um, Canada, I come back as an as like with like as a different view, you know, I'm like a different person. It's almost as if as, it's almost if as if I'm going on some sort of a spiritual journey, you know, it's or it's almost is as if I'm, I'm always joking, I'm, I'm plugging from the matrix and I'm going to this, you know, imaginary, or, or like, actually not imaginary, like the real place, like Zion or something that they have this in the Matrix movie, where everything is real, where emotions are real, where, you know, like the dancing and all of that, like the show in, in the Matrix, like stuff is real. And that's for me is Kazakhstan. I need to unplug from this Western world and go back to, you know, my roots, go back to Central Asia and just see... Uh, where I come from, you know, see where I grew up, see where my family is and where my friends are. And again, uh, right now, uh, all my family and all like a lot of my bestest, bestest, better friends are in Kazakhstan. And uh, for me, it's always a special trip. But something was different this time. And I'll, I'd like to dive in a little bit into that and how I experienced that and what I saw when I when I traveled there. Just a little bit of a, and again, I'm not going to dive in into like a lot of stats or whatever. I just kind of like wanted to convey some of my emotions and what I saw and some of my thoughts. Um, Kazakhstan, just to give a little bit of a preamble, uh, Kazakhstan um, used to be a part of the Soviet Union. Uh, before that, it was part of the Russian Empire. Um, there's a lot of debates on that and, uh, and yada yada, but basically it's a former Soviet Republic. Uh, it's located in Central Asia. Uh, people of Kazakhstan are called Kazakhs. There's also a lot of uh, other population there, uh, including uh, Germans, Ukrainians, and Russians. And uh, the population of uh, uh, th those minorities are, are decreasing right now, and it's predominantly becoming the monogamous... Monogamous? Is that a word? I know... There's like a mono-ethnicity. Mono that's, that's probably the right word for, for that. Uh, the language of Kazakhstan is Kazakh. Kazakh language is part of uh, Turkic languages. And uh, so basically, there's often like when uh, a Kazakh person hears Turkish person uh, talk, they kind of understand each other. Um, I don't know how to explain that. Basically the same language family. All right. So that's that. And uh, Kazakhstan was uh, got, got its independence in 1991. There was all that thing, you know, the whole Soviet Union collapse and all of that. And um, fast forward, you know, it's it's an oil-rich country, uh, oil exports very uh, rich with natural resources, and uh, you know, Kazakhstan was doing, is doing still doing, but like overall is doing pretty great uh, due to you know the natural resources that due to the export of natural resources, especially oil. And uh, yeah, I guess of all the former Soviet Union republics, excluding Russia um, and maybe Ukraine too, Kazakhstan is one of the richest countries. Like for example, in comparison to Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, um, even Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan was always kind of like the, the, you know, like the G, like it was the, 
the country. It was the the biggest country. I, th- I think it's the ninth biggest country in the world, the eighth. Not, I don't know. We always like show off that we're so big. Um, although the population is uh, 18 million people, which for that kind of uh, uh, size of the country, it's it's not a lot of people. Uh, Kazakhstan borders um, China to the to the east and uh, uh, Russia to the north. I think it's the longest uh, border um, in the world, the longest like ground border I think in the world between um, Kazakhstan and uh, and Russia. And then there's like bunch of former old Soviet Union republics like Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, I think, and Kyrgyzstan um, that are also kind of bordering each other, although I'm not sure if Turkmenistan actually borders it. Anyways, let's not ponder on my illiteracy in in geography, like I'll I'll take that L if I I made a mistake. So yeah, uh, Kazakhstan was always, always, you know, at at a good level, and... uh, yeah, and I was born exactly when it got, like, at the same year when it got its independence in 1991 as well. So it's it's kind of funny to grow up and sort of you are the same age as, the same age as, as, as the country you grew up in. And you are able to see, like, the transformation of the country as well as your own personal transformation. But, you know, uh, I don't want to, like... I, I want to digress from that, like, yeah, so, uh, for those, for the uninitiated, there was, like, the crazy 90s, um, it also got Kazakhstan, but also it was, like, this roaring 2000s, uh, where money was flowing, like, back and forwards, and then there was always, like, this recession in t- uh, 2008, and fast forward, so Kazakhstan was doing relatively great, I would say, obviously, it could have done better, there's a lot of, um, you know, poor regions in Kazakhstan, uh, a lot of regions that are not developed well, but overall, you know, um, you know, the cities are doing fantastic. If you if you want to listen to some of my earlier episodes in Russian, there are some people from Kazakhstan that I'm interviewing. It would be very interesting, I think, for everyone to listen uh, if you understand. Um, but anyways, I just want to uh, kind of fast forward to uh, January uh, 2022. Um, <laughs> Something happened in Kazakhstan that you know no one actually expected. There was some, there was a, there was a conflict be- um, on the grounds of, uh, I think, expensive gasoline or something like that. Yeah, I think it was the ex- expensive gasoline to, on the, uh, in the I believe western uh, regions of the country. I, I might be wrong there, but basically it started as some sort of a protest, and then it kind of grew into uh, a mass um, revolution, kind of like uprising in Kazakhstan, which. Never happened before, uh, maybe even in like, even like maybe in like 1991. But yeah, never in the modern history of Kazakhstan there was so much, so many like so much mass destruction and revolution and people protesting and running around and looting. So that that's sort of thing that happened. So basically, again, I'm not. I don't want to di- dive into this, but it was a politically motivated thing where uh, it looked like. Um, you know, there, there, there was a, kind of a motivation to change power structure in Kazakhstan. And it looked like it came from within, but still no one really knows. Long story short, uh, it was suppressed. Um, you know, the republics, the 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 countries of the the union, I guess the CIS or something, I, f- I forgot what it's called, but all the former republics, not all the, but like some of the former republics, Soviet republics and, uh, and countries, including Russia, came in to help Kazakhstan to kind of like make sure that everything is under control. 
But still, um, um, there was this thing after that. It was a shock. Again, I just want to say, I just want to underline that that was one of the most shocking things that happened to to the country. A lot of businesses were destroyed. Uh, people died. There was protests and uh, a lot of shootings. A lot of people also uh, died because of that. It was a very tragic event, and it was also tragic just uh, you know for for a lot of my friends and uh, for my family as well. It was just like something really devastating. So I just wanted to underline that that was a, it was a serious big deal. And uh, I think it also kind of attracted the world attention. It got the world attention as well, especially because, you know, Russia involved and all of that. Um, but that's kind of like, it, it kind of um, raised this new thing where Kazakhstan, uh, you know, still went through some sort of a transformation. There was like a, an awakening, I would say, where people finally, it, it almost like anecdotally, I, I hear on the streets people say, well, there was always something brewing uh, in, uh, in the nation. You know, people were angry. And it felt like they finally, like, released that anger. And uh, now there is this thing called Kazakhstan 2.0. 2.0. And uh, this is like a new step in the history of Kazakhstan where uh, the president of Kazakhstan, who is uh, actually well-liked well by the mainstream I would say population of this country is um, is finally able to uh, to get full control of the country and uh, I guess propose some reforms and um, um, I would say let go some of the people in the in the in the government and stuff like that. I don't want to dive into this because I'm not really um, uh, I would say an expert in the subject of politics. Uh, of of the region, so you know, just very surfacely, like people are optimistic about uh, decrease of corruption and all of that. So that's that's kind of like just a, a preamble what happened just recently. And then the second thing is um, what's happening right now in Kazakhstan, not in Kazakhstan, but like what Kazakhstan is living through right now is obviously uh, the conflict, the uh, the the Russian Ukrainian conflict. And uh, I just want to also take a pause. And underline that this is a very tragic event, and it affects a lot of people, including myself, as someone uh, of, of a Ukrainian descent. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a very sensitive, very sensitive issue because it's ongoing. So I don't want to um, dive into that, but I just wanted to acknowledge that Kazakhstan is uh, kind of located right there. It's very close to, uh, obviously, to Ukraine, uh, to, to Russia, but also to Ukraine. Like when I was uh, a kid uh, in 2004, uh, my grandpa and I and uh, and uh, uh, my uncle we kind of, we went to Ukraine for a kind of like a vacation for a summer camp. I remember that I went to Kherson, Nikolaev, Kiev, Odessa. Uh, where else? Where else? I was somewhere else. But anyways, Ukraine uh, was a beautiful country. I was really impressed. But that's the situation. We, I remember we took a train and it only took us like three days to get there on the plane. I think it's only three hours to get to Kiev. But the point is, Kazakhstan is really close to that conflict. And obviously people are very concerned. So, um, with that said, um, when I came there, I expected, when I came to Kazakhstan in, in, in the middle of this month, I expected uh, the situation to be very dire in Kazakhstan. I expected a lot of anxiety. I expected a lot of PTSD from the January events and from the conflict that's happening like next to their, not next to their borders, but very close to, to the country. 
but I was surprised to see, and again, I went to Almaty, so my experience will be, uh, I would say, only about Almaty, which is the biggest city in Kazakhstan. Uh, Kazakhstan is a large country, so I don't want to speak for the whole country. So everything what I, I'm going to say next is only purely based on my experience in one city. And again, um, I guess a lot of people uh, probably know that um, one city is not determined for the not, like for the whole. It's not a representation for the whole country, but it's definitely a presentation for the for the current state of the most modern and I would say relatively like secular and liberal region of the country. So what I saw there is a lot of optimism and uh, a lot of kind of upbeat attitude. It's not like everyone has like this smile on their face. People in Kazakhstan don't smile. They smile when they're with their friends. They smile when they're, you know, having a good time. But it's not like you go in California and everyone's looking at you and like giving you a little nod and uh, a smile of approval. Like there's no such thing. And, uh, but it's not something that, you know, you need to see, uh, just to feel that everything is kind of like going at its own pace and there is no, this kind of weird of uncertainty. There's, there's no that feeling like I didn't feel that. And again, a lot of it is just like my biased view because, well, I'm on vacation. So I came there to party and to be with my family and friends, but at the same time, it did feel different. One of the story, one of the things that uh, happened to me, or I would say never, uh, like, did not happen this time, I was not stopped and frisked by the police in Kazakhstan. And I've been routinely stopped and frisked by the police ever since I was 14 years old in Kazakhstan. So I kind of got used to it and all of that. It's still, it's not like a good experience, whatever, but I'm always kind of like, I, you know, being stopped and stuff, so... I don't know, I was kind of expected, and, you know, there's a little chat with the cops, sometimes they will pat you down or stuff, you know, this happens, whatever, like, I'm, and I understand the realities of the, of the world and of the situation, especially in that region, and obviously, for those who don't know, I am, I do, I do look different, I don't, I do not look like a Kazakh person, uh, so, but I digress, anyway, so that did not happen, so that was very kind of cool and surprising, and so, um, yeah, so the first thing when I came to Kazakhstan, the first thing that I did is I went to the bank to update my um, debit card. Uh, the bank is kind of like a, a jewel of Kazakhstan itself as, from the technological point of view. The bank is it's called Kaspi. Kaspi Bank, or used to be called Kaspiski. Kaspi in honor of the Caspian Sea, by the way. So that's something that a lot of... Um, a lot of people who do not understand, who, who just came to who just came to Kazakhstan, uh, or haven't been there for a long time or something, they're just it's something that you have to talk about it once you come to the country. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll talk about it a little bit later. Anyway, so the one thing that I've I've noticed in Kazakhstan is that uh, in in the bank that I saw is that uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, Russian people from Russia, and again there's like Russian people from Kazakhstan. Um, which are who are Kazakhstanis and of, of Russian descent, and then you can see that they're like there are Russian people from Russia, uh, but it's not like I saw it in them. But they identify themselves to the to the workers of the bank. They're like, oh, we are a citizen of Russian Federation, and we would like an account. We would like to open an account at Caspi Bank. 
Uh, and that kind of thing, you see it pretty much constantly in the bank right now, uh, at any banks, and uh, you see it every day. And the, the employee, the bank employees, they're not, they're not being surprised or anything. Why I say surprised is because like a year ago, you would never see that. That's just weird. What's with the, what's with the Russian citizens come to Kazakhstan opening a bank account at, at the local, like uh, at the not international, but purely internal bank, you know, for that it's kind of like Wells Fargo of uh, Kazakhstan, right? So now that that's like a reality. So what thing, the first thing of it, which that you realize is that Kazakhstan is now uh, hosting a lot of, I would say, I don't know if you can call them refugees, but they're they're basically, I would say, business owners or people who work for um, international partners who uh, from Russia who need to accept payments internationally, and uh, they cannot do that due to the sanctions. And so they come to Kazakhstan and they open local bank accounts so that they can uh, receive payments from uh, from different international partners. So that's one thing. So it's kind of like a weird situation where in Kazakhstan right now is hosting Ukrainian refugees and Russian, um, uh, Russian, I would say, like temporary immigrants, I would say. Um, and that's kind of just that statement that I told you kind of makes you like my, makes my head scratch. Right. It, it makes sense to me. Like, I understand what it is, but you cannot really un like I don't think anyone from outside that area, like the region of former Soviet Union, can understand that, you know, the this weird situation. So anyways, so that was like the first thing that I've noticed. And I was like, oh, like, so this is real. So this is happening. Obviously, I heard about it. Um, I heard that this is happening, but like during my first day, I was able to see that right away. And those Russian citizens were just like, you know, two dudes, I think maybe my age or maybe a little younger, um, just, you know, just, you know, just doing their thing. They're trying to like do business or something. So, so it's just like, wow, like it's, you know, just some guys basically. Um, so, so yeah, so this legend was true. Apparently that, you know, a lot of people are there right now. Uh, I also heard that they're, they're going to like Armenia or Georgia or other countries, but that's kind of like a thing now. Everyone who's making like big money, according to Russian standards, obviously are working for abroad countries. And and yes, so everyone who is actually living country is uh, living Russia is is relatively well off. Um, it's uh, people in their twenties, like twenty five and up, uh, mostly men. And uh, they have jobs that is connected to digital digital world. It's either digital advertisers or some traders or whatever. So that's that's the kind of uh, human capital that is li leaving Russia right now. But I digress. Anyways, I just wanted to say like this was a an interesting an interesting story. I don't want to like um, there's nothing else to say about this. But that was interesting. I was like, oh wow, like a true. Um, derivative of the conflict is actually like right here in my in front of my eyes like that's that was highly unusual event and then what is Caspi so I'm getting this card I had to actually get this new card because my old card expired uh, but apparently because I got myself a new uh, Kazakh ID last year I had to talk to the manager again so that they can like reboot my system and whatsoever so anyways I had to wait for like an hour there was a huge line but the funny thing is, once they approve you, they take you to a special vending machine and then they will print, they, they are printing your new debit card exactly the same as the debit card that is currently in your pocket. They print it right in front of you within 60 seconds. Can you imagine? 
I uh, recently <laughs> ordered a card for my Canadian bank because uh, my other card got you know stolen or something like that. Uh, and it take them it took them ten days to deliver this card to me. While in Kazakh bank, they printed it out right in front of my eyes, like this plastic card with my name engraved in it in 60 seconds. And that really blew my mind. <laughs> it was so quick. Uh, so what is actually Caspi? Caspi is this crazy system that really, like when I hear stories about Singapore, I feel like Caspi is something that was inspired by that or some technology that was brought from that. Caspi is not only a bank, it also, it's kind of like a Google of Kazakhstan. It's this application where you can, first of all, it's it's like an online uh, store. They have all kinds of um, products there that you can buy online and you can buy them, um, you know, in installments with zero interest down. But the coolest thing about Caspi as well is that you can also, through their uh, app, you can pay all the bills that Kazakhstan has to offer. Phone bills, electricity bills, gas bills, internet bills, everything is in there. Uh, the app is so great. You can, like, it's like in terms of UX and UI, like, I'll, I'll take, I'll talk about this later, but this is like way, and I'm seriously meaning this, this is way, way better than anything you've seen in the United States or Canada or maybe even like Europe or whatever. Like, I know it from my personal experience because I'm using these apps here every day. And the way Caspi is, is just like the, their app is so great, so quickly, so smooth, so well designed. Um, and also, of course, it has the 2FA, two-factor authentications. It, it also kind of like, it, it scans your face too. It has to have your face on it and all of that. So that that's something that it's a trade-off. So I'll talk about it. But anyway, so you can pay your bill on that as well. And moreover, you can actually check if you owe any taxes um, to the government and you can pay your taxes right away through Caspi with a couple, you know, swipes and stuff. You can go to your account, basically, um, to your profile or dashboard and see if you have any taxes that you owe or you need to pay any taxes and you can just pay it right away from your Caspi account without, like, for example, here dealing with IRS, going to their portal or, like, sending them a check and all of that. Everything is digitized. On top of that, Caspi <laughs> apparently, that's something that uh, I got shown, they, they showed me recently, is that you can go and look up your documents. They have information on your ID, somehow, somehow like they're connected to the database, like the 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 Kazakh DMV, somehow like they, they have that kind of connection. And so if you go there and you will type in your uh, ID number, they will pull up your birth certificate, they will pull up your... Um, uh, national ID that will pull up your driver's license and it's literally a scanned copy of it. How did they scan it? I have no clue. Apparently it's in the system somewhere, but it's basically a digital document. And one of the anecdotes that I heard is like, oh, if you're in the club and you don't have your ID, you just go to Caspi and show that little thing to the bouncer and he will accept it as like a form of ID. So Kazakhstan has implemented a, already a digital ID where you don't even have to uh, carry your documents. I'm not sure if this is being implemented like world, like countrywide or whatever. I'm not, I'm not sure if you can like show it to the policeman, but I think you can show it to your policeman and uh, you know if, if they if during like a traffic stop or something, and then it will work. Anyway, so that that's something that's happening right now, but that's not even. It yet one thing that is highly being implemented this year in comparison in comparison to last year, it's like my friend says Kazakhstan right now is the QR code land, 
everything is QR code. And last time when I went to Kazakhstan during the COVID uh, situation, they have implemented QR codes everywhere already. So you have to scan QR codes and, you know, you will be shown whether you can enter the building or not. That was before uh, it been, it's been implemented in Canada because Canada tried to do the same thing. And Kazakhstan was one of the first countries who implemented the vaccine passport. What do you think about vaccine passport is a different story or what do I think about it? But the fact that Kazakhstan was actually first one who like one of the first countries who implemented the vaccine passports and moreover they actually worked well whether that's scary to you or not but it's worked and now basically fast forward to this year caspi has implemented this new system where you can basically with your phone tap on the button that's you know like a little qr code button and you can just pay with a qr code at any business that you go to and any business right now, like a restaurant, uh, like a, a car wash, anything, anything, has like a Caspi machine. And they all have their own personalized business QR code that they give you to scan to pay. And all you need to do is to scan this QR code with the Caspi app, confirm your uh, payment, and the payment becomes, payment is being processed instantly. And I mean instantly like faster than debit card, fast, like all those kind of like louding things, like even like three second loud, like all of that, nada. The payment goes instantly. Like the, the checks beam, it's the, 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 the speed of this QR code payment, it's crazy. On top of that, they're doing the usual, like you can send the payment via a cell phone number and all of that. So all those things, it's sort of, uh, I don't know, it's incredible. And the funny part is uh, I came to Kazakhstan with my, uh, my my old friend who I went to high school with. Uh, he's also here in Canada. He was uh, actually a guest on my podcast as well. Um, he was so impressed by that because he wasn't he, he, he hasn't been in the country for six years. He was, he's also from Kazakhstan. And uh, just to see how he was surprised, he even said, like, I even went to, like, uh, a little market I would say with like a veggie market on the street and he was able to buy a watermelon with that freaking QR code. That's how like this was, uh, this is how, how mainstream that is. <laughs> Another funny story is I was sitting with my friend at the restaurant and there was some beggars coming in uh, to uh, to ask for money. Usually they say like, oh, it's like a grandma or something. There was a, This time it was a grandma. It was just like, oh, you know, I don't have money. And so I gave her some some spare change. I had some coins from uh, some from from the other day, but my friend didn't have any coins or money, you know. And he said like, you know, in cash. And he said like, sorry, I don't have one. And the grandma told him like, oh, it's okay. You can just transfer some cash to my Caspi account. And so she basically and he like he couldn't say anything because obviously he has Caspi. Everyone has Caspi. Uh, so he had to pull out his phone and she dictated, uh, you know, the phone. And again, it was a grandma and she was a Kazakh grandma. So it's like, you know, you got to help the, gra- the, the, the grandma, uh, the old lady. And uh, yeah, he, she, she, she dictated uh, her number and he had to like transfer some cash to her. That, 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 was, that was kind of hilarious. But I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine the beggars telling you, can you send me a wire transfer? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the world, um, we live in right now, or that's the world they are living right now in. So that's something that is a positive thing. That's pretty cool. It's something that uh, United States doesn't have. It's something that Canada doesn't have. I'm pretty sure Singapore is like that. Cause that's what I'm hearing lately about Singapore. But of course, 
um, there's reasons to that, right? Because if it's that good, why does America doesn't have it, right? But I mean, the first thing to kind of comes to mind is obviously privacy. Obviously, you give up a lot of uh, your personal information in Kazakhstan, uh, where you are not in control of your situ- information, and the information is being like passed from the government to private business like Caspi, and because of that, they are able to uh, swiftly, you know create all these transactions, swiftly create all these databases um, that you can then use. So it's a huge utility, but if you're going to think about like what... You have to just assume that you're being watched, that all your information is being passed around. So it's it's surveillance state. It's a classic surveillance state. I wouldn't say it's some sort of a deep state surveillance. It's pretty transparent. Like, you you know, if you if you want to dig deeper, you understand that... Um, that it's... Um, that, that you have to give up something to gain all this convenience. Ah, so this is, um, yeah, so this is something, this is like one of the huge, one of the huge things. Um, Another thing about Kazakhstan right now is just the, in comparison to when I was growing up there, right now I'm I'm coming back there and there is some sort of like a renaissance uh, of culture. And I've been talking to other people in Kazakhstan and uh, what they told me is that with Kazakh people, like right now, I hear, I see there's like rock and roll, um, rock and roll concerts, but everything is in Kazakh. Everything is like cultural, everything is ethnic. Every, everyone's so proud of that. And what I've been told is like before, people were sort of like, not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say ashamed, but they wouldn't like show it off, you know, your, your background, your cultural background. But right now, People are slowly understanding, and everyone would say like, "Oh, well, the Western countries, United States, um, Canada, you know, all those like those are the things that we want to be like. This is what we want to be like. We want to listen to Fifty Cent, like that, like I was listening to, like and still listening, by the way, huge fan Fifty, uh, like Eminem and all of that. Like that's, this was the, the Western culture we were sucking in when I was uh, like like a sponge when uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid when I was a teenager." Uh, it was like West, 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 and even if not West, like it was Russia, something in Russian, like Russian rap, or, you know, you speak Russian, or like Russian artists would come in, it was like that, but right now there is this renaissance of understanding your own culture, and actually being proud of being, you know, who you are, understanding that actually that's pretty cool that, you know, we are of certain culture, non-Western culture, it's uh, Central Asian, people are trying to go back to their roots, they're trying to dig deeper and understand where they're coming from, there's a lot of, like, expositions, even the songs in Kazakh, before, Kazakh songs were always, like, something like a folk, something of a pop that was listened to, like, in, uh, you know, in uh, in other cities, not very urbanized cities, or something like that, it was, like, kind of like that, it was, like, uh, uh, there, you know, it, it wasn't really a city music, uh, city music was either English or Russian, but right now, like when you listen to the music, listen to the beats, like for example, check out Irina Kairatovna. That's like a, that's a classic one. It's already kind of like an outdated one, but like the Kazakh language in the music is being so, uh, uh, it's being so expanded right now. And right now, I'm seeing all these rock bands, and there's in Kazakh, and it's beautiful, and it's just like super cool. So you see this shift where people are trying to get back to that culture they're trying to take ownership of that they're trying they, they're being proud of that so like culturally that that thing just like the understanding of your own nationality or understanding of your own roots and ethnicity it's kind of cool um it goes with that it's it kind of but also like um it, there's also it comes with like this there's narrative that you know everything that was russian it's, it's a lot of words right now being used like colonialism 
imperialism there's like a lot of discussion like that before it was like kind of like a it's like people would call it like a nationalism rhetoric but right now um people are not afraid to talk about it like more out loud and they call like everything in terms of like a russian world they call it like um you know the colonizing the colon colonialism culture or uh imperialism imperialism is something that you know uh, i think is more i would say being used because um for obvious reasons but anyways so there's so there's like in, in in addition to like the realizing of pride for your own identity there's also a pushback towards like the world old world and toward towards the you know the 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 russian side of things and and goes without saying it's uh well actually no i'd, I'd like to also mention that that what's what i've noticed what's funny about uh, kazakhstan right now with everything that is happening in the world right next to it right next to the country like in canada i see a lot of emotions were flying when the war started and everyone was like right now it's kind of died down a little bit but like everyone the rhetoric was very very harsh and dangerous and it was just like very aggressive and given you know overall attitude of uh, kazakhstan i would say like just kazakh people towards russia historically i would i would expect to you know to to see the same thing in kazakhstan but and and there is there is definitely there there's really no approval of what's happening on in terms of in, in the world from uh, from Kazakhstan from Kazakhs I don't like there in my opinion I don't think there is like uh, someone siding with Russia right now but um, what's happening is right now they're they're really people try not to talk about it I tried to ask people questions about like hey so what do you think about that and this and and you know like how do people talk about it. And they told me the same thing. Like at the beginning, the emotions were flying so high, and uh, you couldn't have a normal conversation because everyone had skin in the game in this thing. And uh, I'm not going to explain why you have to be from that region to understand why you have skin in the game in this. But eventually, people understood that this is something that is so out of control. This is so something that is so complicated that it's better. You know, try to push that conversation away and not talk about it until you absolutely have to, or until you have absolute, um, you have absolute. Uh, sorry, I have a phone call here. Uh, if you're comfortable to talk about it with people. Sorry about that. I had a phone call, and uh, now that I re- replied to it, answered it, I want to continue. So, anyways, yes. Yeah, so the the situation is kind of it's very neutral, and I was very surprised by it. How. Um, how people tried to preserve this rhetorical piece like i don't know it was just very surprised i didn't it, i did not expect it i don't want to comment whether like i agree with it or not but i just it was just something that i did not expect um but it's weird to see a country in central asia being so um i would say i, I don't know I, like the the rhetorics were not flying as high as like in europe and stuff or or in uh, in western countries uh, for better or worse, but that's that's something that I noticed. And and overall, I saw again back to this kind of uh, attitude of people. Everyone was just chilling. Everyone was uh, doing their thing. And uh, you know, going back to how I spoke with my friends and what I spoke about. Every time I speak with someone in Kazakhstan, whether it's my friends or family, it's so funny. Everyone is trying to figure out how to make more money, how to create a business. Everyone has this entrepreneurial mindset. And it's kind of funny because 
lately in Canada in the United States, and I'm kind of making fun of that with my friends who also live here, um, they're also immigrants, is that lately you, you feel, you have this feeling in Canada and in the United States, you have this feeling of uh, lack of motivation. There's no, there's no, there's no fun in, in something that you do. There's, you're just kind of like in this waiting mode and that's in large because of the economy. You understand that something is not going right. Uh, and I'm not even talking about Europe right now who like where they have their own problems with the energy and stuff. But like in the United States and Canada where such problems don't exist, there's still this weird feeling of, I don't know, like lack of optimism or lack of freaking mojo. The mojo is not here. And and I thought that's just maybe that's just me or like why what's I'm like, because, you know, I work in the crypto industry, the crypto is down and all that. Maybe it's just like I'm just like, OK, well, the market is down. But I'm talking to other people and uh, they work in uh, they also work in fintech, not related to crypto. But yeah, they, they also say like we all feel that. Or even um, the robotics and stuff, like Silicon Valley guys, like my friends. I'm like, so what do you feel? Like my, I'm asking like them, like, do you feel that? Is that something you feel or not? And they're all like, yes, absolutely. We're feeling that. There's just like a lack of something. Something is missing right now. And I was and I was so kind of surprised. Like oh, I went to Kazakhstan and all of a sudden I have this entrepreneurial questions, the spirit like, oh, we have to do this. We have to do that. Like my friend just bought a, a piece of land in Kazakhstan and he's, he, he quit his job at the bank and he bought a piece of land in Kazakhstan um, next to, to next to the city, and he's gonna grow strawberries there because he says like this is it, man. I want to grow strawberries and I want to export that. I want to like sell them and all of that. He he got himself like a very uh, rare um, you know seeds and stuff you know from Europe or something like that, and he just wants to do that. You know, other people are, you know, my other friends are in construction, and uh, other friends other friends are in IT industry. Uh, traveling the world and and working from Kazakhstan and, and all of that and there's this thing like and whoever I'm talking to another friend you know he is managing an, a, a a chain of restaurants not a chain of restaurants but like a several, several like a portfolio of restaurants and everyone's trying to do business everything uh, everyone's trying to do something but in reality like uh, the economic indicators in Kazakhstan are not the best I would say they're actually pretty dire like they're not looking good. Um, Obviously, the export of oil is good, you know, the oil price, and that, that's something that's still kind of supporting the, the currency. The currency has been devaluating, and it's been devaluated, has been devaluating slowly uh, for the past, I would say, since 2015, and it still goes down, and um, that happens. But somehow people are, I don't know, I'm always, like, looking from outside, from the outside in Canada, and I'm like, wow, like, what's happening? Kazakhstan is going down, like, the, you know, the currency is going down and all of that. But people are constantly adjusting to that, and they're just like, "Nope, this is it. We're we're gonna stay here." And I think just the overall like we have to move out kind of thing. We have to go somewhere else. We have to immigrate. I wouldn't say. I think that thing still exists. Some people they still want to see the better world, and they try to they want to try their luck, like yours, um, truly. Uh, but it's I, I feel like it's slowly dying down. So. Another thing that uh, I was I was asking today, my friend who is um, who is a, a front end engineer for like a Silicon Valley company, a very famous one, a very mainstream one. Like I'm like, what do you think about Kazakhstan? I, I'm asking him. He's uh, he's from Canada, and uh, he's the guy who came with me basically. And uh, he says, like, yeah, man, like, this is surprising. I did not expect that. I'm like, so what didn't you expect about this country? What's, uh, what's from your point of view, like, what about the tech? He's like, well, 
he really likes the apps here and it's just not Caspi. He's like, there are other apps like Ashik and, and, and other ones, you know, he's like, the apps are so good from the UX perspective, from everything. They're just so much better than a lot of apps in Canada. And I was like, well, really? Like, why is that? He's like, I th he thinks it's just the quality of the developers, of engineers in, Ka in Kazakhstan. He legitimately uh, told me and he thinks that it's better um, than in Canada or like what other Canadian companies or American companies are hiring, which kind of confirms the fact that my other friend, uh, Sergey Tian, um, uh, who was also a guest on my podcast back in the day, uh, he is working for Silicon Valley companies and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, a lot of Silicon companies, well, not a lot, a handful of Silicon Valley companies outsource their engineering solutions to Kazakhstan because of their developers. And uh, I, I asked him also, like, what's, uh, uh, what's, what's the other, like, differentiator in this tech world? And he said to me that developers in Kazakhstan, they're, they're focused on, uh, on the result, when the developers in, on the West, in the West, in the United States and uh, in Canada, they're focused on the process. And, uh, and, and to be honest, quite frankly, like take it as uh, take it as you hear it for whomever, like understand what he means, probably will understand it. And I tried to ask, like, what does that mean? And he says, like, just the, the nature of the work, the sprints, the culture of sprints and all of that. It's just like it's not it's, it's different in Kazakhstan is what that's what he that's what he uh, told me. And uh, another thing that I asked him, he has a little kid. I'm like, what else do you think? He's like, well, in Astana or Nur Sultan, the, this is the capital he went there. Surprisingly, the, the capital of Kazakhstan, Nur Sultan, is very, very kid-friendly. Like, very, like, surprisingly very kid-friendly in terms of, like, the playgrounds and, 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 and other things as well. So that was something that... Um, that was uh, surprising to him, and I was surprised to to hear that uh, as well. I also asked him, being from crypto, like, does he see crypto being uh, around in Kazakhstan sometime soon? And he he said maybe like in another five years or something. He didn't see much of the of development for crypto, which uh, which I don't know. I think it's gonna be. I think crypto will be in Kazakhstan soon, sooner. Like once it's there, it's there. So that's that. That's just like something that I saw there. This entrepreneurship and this like this changes. And on top of that, you know, a little plug for tourism. Uh, it's like a hidden gem. Almaty has the lakes, the, the canyons, the ski resorts. You know, it's just like you don't understand this when you grow up in the city. You grow up like surrounded by mountains. Like imagine, I always think of Almaty like, um, what is this? Um, Aspen, Aspen, Colorado. Like imagine Aspen, Colorado. Uh, but a little bit bigger, I would say, and more advanced, I think. But uh, and okay, the air is much dirtier in Almaty. But that's pretty much it. Like imagine Aspen, Colorado, with four seasons surrounded by mountains and ski resorts. That's Almaty, basically. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but but I feel like based on at least on the pictures, you will compare them. It's the same thing with the mountains and the ice tops and all of that. But also so much other uh, cool things uh, in, 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 in Almaty, I would say, that for tourists, you know, it's, I'm not going to dive in there, just like open some tourism like website or something. But, but yeah, when you're a kid, you grow up there, you don't understand this. But now I came back there and I was like, damn, like mountains, lakes, um, 
you know, townhouses and all of that. And like you go like to one hour, one time, one hour to one side, you see the lake, one hour to the other side, you see the, the canyon and two hours to like, you know, the other side. And it's like ski resort. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's, uh, you know, um, it's, it's ridiculous. Like when you think about it, like somehow I just, it kind of just, just, I just realized that like, whoa, like, you know, it's a crazy town, very cool town. It's, it's, I have another story of my American friend who came to Kazakhstan also uh, from San Francisco with me. We met there. He's, he's my, one of my best friends. Uh, he, he, he was celebrating. He, he, he met a, a girl there and all that. So it was like a, a thing there, but, uh, he was also very, very surprised and he loved, 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 you know, Kazakhstan and he came with his brother too. Like they're all kind of in shock, like how great this, uh, again, when I say Kazakhstan, I mean Almaty, like there's other cities there too. They're maybe not as advanced, but like anyways, 2 million people. Let's just, let's just count it as that. So that's just something. Okay. So that's, that's the story. That's it. And, and so imagine me, like I'm, I'm sitting here. And uh, I'm I'm looking at everything, and again, like, and then, by the way, everything is like five times cheaper than in the United States or Canada, five to seven times cheaper. So, imagine me sitting there and thinking, like, wow, um, something is happening here, and uh, it's connected to what's happening in the world. Kazakhstan was always like this beautiful and whatnot, like. And all of those things. Yeah, it has this Caspian stuff. So that was kind of like a cool thing. But I don't think that's... That's like not it though. That's not the special part. The special part about Kazakhstan right now is two things. I would say the the January event that happened in Kazakhstan, that's something that kind of refreshed it. Or at least like it, 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 it triggered something that is still in development of being refreshed. Whether it's going to be successful or not uh, has yet to be seen. But this kind of like deep state kind of situation is being, I don't know, like you just feel it, like it's something is being refreshed. No one knows what, what's happening right now in the, in, in, in the country, like in the, in, in the higher kind of like levels, in the higher levels of power. And everyone, and that's why kind of like everyone's waiting, but everyone's waiting not with fear, but with hope and with cautious, with like cautious hope and optimism. So I think that's the spirit right now in terms of those events. And so that's the first part. Everyone's thinking like everyone's looking to the future with an optimism. And the second part is, of course, the Ukrainian-Russian war and uh, and what does it mean to Kazakhstan? And just anecdotally, or not anecdotally, like some public events, Kazakhstan right now is being used because Russia is being closed down by san- by sanctions and all of that. Kazakhstan is being actively used. Um, so okay, so one of the stories like. A cell phone export to Russia from Kazakhstan increased in the past five months, increased by a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Another anecdote, um, all the fancy cars, the the Lexuses and Mercedeses and the Audis, we have, uh, Kazakhstan has all those kind of like dealerships there. And now there's a huge line, like you cannot buy a car there because all the cars are being sold uh, to Russians and it's being just exported um, to to Russia through those dealerships, so th- that kind of like tells you what Kazakhstan is becoming, and uh, that also shows you an a, com- a complicated situation that Kazakhstan can put the, the itself economically, but it also shows this weird and interesting opportunity that Kazakhstan has uh, found uh, itself in. 
um, it's it it sort of has this feeling that, and again, uh, the president of Kazakhstan publicly renounced any sort of um, self-proclaimed republics uh, in in Ukraine and all of that. So that was like a huge shocker to everybody worldwide and all of that. You know, right in front of uh, Russian president, Kazakh president said like, "Oh yeah, like no, I'm not. We're not doing this. We're not. We're not accepting any republics and stuff like that." So. Um, so that was like a huge signal to the rest of the world that Kazakhstan is still committed to maintain uh, this neutrality. Of course, given the fact that Kazakhstan is an ally of Russia in on a lot of sorts of on a lot of kind of um, roads and streams and all of that, but it still positions itself as a neutral state, as someone as a state that is not trying to like take sides in the situation. It has an active uh, channel with Ukraine and all of that. It's, um, you know, it tries to be friendly. And that's kind of the thing about Kazakhstan right now in Central Asia. It seems like Kazakhstan can position itself. And again, that's just my opinion. It's just something that I felt in my gut. Like, oh, like, it can position itself as some sort of a hub. I would say international hub for trade. A neutral zone for both Europeans, Westerners, Russians, and everybody else, and Asians. Don't forget that China is to the uh, to the east of Kazakhstan, literally borders China. Um, and Kazakhstan is right in the middle of everyone, right in the middle of everything. And uh, don't get me wrong, Europeans also like that. Like, it's not just like, oh, you know, you can like, transport cars, fancy cars to Russia, so Russia wins from that. You know, people who sell those cars, aka the Western companies, and, and that's just an example. The car thing is just an example, just to show you the concept. Um, based on what I've been told, like, everyone's benefiting from having Kazakhstan in the middle of everything. Obviously, there are san- sanctions, there's, you know, lack of trade, that, you know, but and but people still need to make money and all of that. And uh, that kind of sounds unethical and uh i don't know what's going to happen to that obviously that's that can raise some eyebrows and that's where i say kazakhstan finds itself in a in a peculiar situation where it cannot really side with any any country or like it cannot side with this conflict or what so but um but it also finds itself in the reality with all the citizen coming in russian citizens coming in the ukrainian refugees coming in and uh and the trade that is happening and I think it's very important for Kazakhstan to maintain that balance. That is, I think it's very difficult to maintain. But if, and I think if the Kazakhstan, if Kazakhstan will be able to maintain that balance where uh, the country is being friendly with the Western countries and with the, the neighbors to the north, you know, with Russia and with China, there can, the, and if the leadership is strong, there can be some sort of a consensus, the international consensus to keep Kazakhstan as this kind of neutral trade zone, a neutral economic zone where things can happen and benefit everyone at the same time. And this is what I, you know, that's kind of like a little nugget that I brought from that part of the world to Canada, and I cannot stop thinking about that. I cannot stop thinking. And again, that goes from like the network state with Balaji Srinivasan that I talked to my, my uh, talked about in my previous episodes. But that's what I'm thinking. Like something can happen in that part of the world with that sort of cautious optimism that the citizens of Kazakhstan have right now. And I'm thinking, and, and again, a lot of companies move to, like 
you can research i i'm not saying a lot of things but you can research how like many companies moved from russia to kazakhstan how everyone it's not just like some people right it's also companies like everyone wants to have everyone wants to make business everyone tries to wa- find a workarounds and it feels like certain people or certain countries they are okay with um looking the other way or sort of like just saying like okay it's happening like it's fine whatever but that's what i'm saying like um you never know that's why kazakhstan has to be careful about how they do business and uh how do they perceive uh how do they present themselves uh, to the international community to maintain that stability and that neutrality and that balance but you know i'm looking at my friend who bought the land who tries to you know cultivate it and all of that and kazakhstan has so much land there's so much development to be made and construction is an ivory uh corner right now in almaty again i say kazakhstan but just imagine that i say almaty and then just think like kazakhstan is kind of like around it and and there's also astana obviously nur sultan the capital another big city and uh, you know the the hub basically for governments and businesses um yeah and uh obviously you you try to think like okay what can be done there what kind of opportunity can can you find there <laughs> another funny anecdote is that you can see that real estate is going down everywhere russia china uh, canada united states but in the country like kazakhstan it's actually go up and why does it go up it's because uh my father explained it to me it's because uh, uh people in kazakhstan they don't want especially like the people who are on the more wealthy side they don't they're too afraid right now to actually um uh move capital outside the country because you never know what's going to happen. You see what's happening right now around the world. So they need to figure out what to do with all this money that they get right now from natural resources or whatever their businesses, you know, just normal money, whatever, nothing, nothing shady. And so they basically just buy, they buy real estate in Kazakhstan. They buy real estate in Almaty. So yeah, the, the real estate right now in Almaty is going up, which is hilarious. But, uh, and again, I'm, that's something that I'm not, I'm preached like I'm not, yeah, I don't like that. That I don't like this artificial inflation of the real estate just by creating all this influx of um of cash into real estate. And again, this is not just Kazakh citizens, it's also Russian citizens try to buy some property uh in Kazakhstan as well because they need to park their cash as well somewhere. Uh but I digress. It's just like something that's happening right now there. But at the same time um yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. That's where I'm like, wow, like something is happening the bottom line here, something is happening in Central Asia. And uh, Kazakhstan can find itself in a very beneficial position if, if, if the country plays its card right, its cards uh, right. And, uh, and I think for the first time ever, I am, I'm obviously recharged and very inspired like always, but like for the first time, I'm actually... I don't know, I'm actually fantasizing of, of coming back to that country as soon as possible, you know, and, and try to create a business or something. It's just a fantasy. It's just like a feeling. But in my gut, I feel like something is happening in these countries and and, and, uh, and we're not even touching on other things, you know. I only touched on like maybe some natural resources, real estate and some freaking Caspi application, but there's so much more there. Tourism, for example, is crazy right now. Tourism is not it's it's kind of funny because tourism is being discovered by people in Kazakhstan itself because we never did tourism we maximum we would go to like the mountains but now all these lakes there's even like a shooting ranch like who would have thought like or like bike paths and stuff like that 
there's so many things right now there and sooner or later um tourism is going to go up as well especially with all these russians are being um uh, i don't know like not allowed to go to other countries and stuff so uh, again that's just uh, that's just the reality i i, I don't yeah I, I, this, that's just the reality of things and but but that's again that's just the fact and and uh yeah you you think about yourself you know you think well i'm from that country I have so many friends there. I have so many connections there. I have so many, so many family members there. And, uh, and it's just like, wow, what if I'll go there and I do something there? What if I'll go and create? It's just like, it's just a playground for creativity. Imagine if you have access to capital and you can do something on your own there. So that's something that I said I'm going to be hyping up. So there you go. I just hyped up this whole thing. That's kind of like my emotions right now. Now, what's, what are the risks? The risks, I think, is just... Again, one wrong move, one wrong phrase by I feel like the someone higher up publicly and Kazakhstan can become like a part of those sanctions and stuff like that. And all of a sudden it's all going down. So yes, it's great. Everything is fine. But someone has to like strong arm this whole narrative and, and make sure that Kazakhstan is being respected by all players, international community and not just one side. Uh, and that's I think it's a very it's a very complicated task to achieve. But if it can be maintained, um, then I have a feeling Kazakhstan can become a Singapore of um, of, uh, of Central Asia. And uh, the, the most important asset, I feel like, of the country is not its natural resources, but it's, its people. And what I'm seeing right now in people is more kindness. And I think that's because of the January events. Everyone realized like how quickly everything can go down. And people are just kinder. They're more more relaxed. And, and as I said, like less police, less like stop and frisk situation. Um, really, like I, th- I felt secure. Like I was walking down the streets and all of that. I felt secure. Like during nighttime, um, more culture, more respect, and just this cautious optimism. Uh, I don't think I missed anything, but uh, I've been thinking about this episode for a long time to to record it ever since I was in Kazakhstan, and I and I hope I. I uh, um, I don't know. I hope I kind of conveyed my my feelings again. This is not to like tell you like oh like go there and and do something about it. But if if you are interested, like check it out and 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 go visit it. You know, you never know when when is the last when is the next time you will be able to go like listen to a podcast, get inspired, and and go visit a country. So I I definitely recommend to visit it. I recommend all my coworkers and friends to go visit it. Uh, because I just had so much fun. One of my best parts is just like the hookah in Kazakhstan. You know, the shisha is just so good. You know, Canada, United States, they don't have this like restaurant type uh, shisha places where you can have nice tea, nice shisha, nice kebabs and like any kind of food. Actually, very nice food. And it's especially if you're a tourist from like a Western country, like, damn, like, can you imagine going to Hawaii and everything's so expensive? Well, you can go to Kazakhstan and everything is five times more beautiful and well maybe I don't, know, I don't know i've never been to hawaii but but it's like 10 times more cheaper and the food is natural delicious yum mm. um anyways i don't know i don't know it's my country what can i say but who knows maybe i'll uh maybe i'll go back there what a what a I don't know, what a pivot of events if someone would told me like 10 years ago that i would be saying this thing it was like whoa cuz 
for those of you who are day one, you know, like all my God and spirit and all my being was about like coming to like this frontier to, to the West to like conquer this continent and all of that. And uh, I feel like, I don't know, there's uh, there's nothing left to conquer here. You know, there's nothing left to achieve. It's, I mean, you obviously can do like a business and startup and venture capitalism, but it's just so weird. You go to a country like Kazakhstan or any other like Central Asian country or developing world country and all of a sudden you see this freedom you see this freedom to create you see this freedom to develop oh yeah and I forgot to say like obviously there's corruption obviously and uh, it's everywhere and you have to like know what you're doing and it's not like it's not going to be the same as the United States and all that I completely understand that and it's not going to be it's not going to go away in a day so absolutely if you want to have a business in Kazakhstan or invest there like uh, think twice and definitely find someone that you can trust because uh yeah if you're some sort of a white guy from the united states um people will try to steal your money <laughs> you know just just that's just how it goes how it goes so uh not to speak badly but i'm just saying like hey just like have a consultant or something anyways um that was my little spiel my little um I don't know, essay about the country and my experience. Um, follow me on Twitter and maybe drop a comment or on LinkedIn. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, or maybe some sort of, a you know, email me or something like that. Azizipodcast at gmail.com. Uh, my uh, Instagram is at A-D-O-U-B-L-E-Z-I. Same as Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. Um, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you have learned something new from this episode. Thank you very much. This was uh, Samir Azizi for Azizi Podcast, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>